House of Panem International, welcome to our broadcast, be blessed. As Apostle has said, today it's Pentecost Day. Unfortunately, I'm not going to touch anything about the Pentecost, but as she has said, Pentecost is the beginning of the church, the coming of the Holy Spirit, even to the Gentiles. We were Gentiles before we were called and be saved under the name of Jesus Christ. So Holy Spirit came to level us Jews, Gentiles, slaves, uh, masters, we are the same. Amen. So um, I have to say the word that God gave me. Apostle, some weeks back, she spoke about um, the vision. The vision is the, the main thing that we are here together as a family. The vision is what we believe in as House of Panim. And the vision was given to Apostle Ruth. And we are here to support him. So my message today is, how do we support the vision? How do we work with the visionary? Amen. As Christians, every Christian, you live in the present, anticipating the future, learning from the past, but always looking into the Bible. There's nothing that you're going to do that can, anyone can say that is out of the Bible and you agree. So we learn from the past, that is, we learn from the Matthias, the uh, Father Abraham and the rest, we learn from them. We can't be them, but we learn from them. We anticipate the future because God is same yesterday, today, and forever. So we anticipate what God has planned for us for tomorrow. We wait expectantly because we know God is the author and the finisher of our lives. So if we want to walk, how do we walk with Apostle Ruth as the visionary? How do we walk? As the visionary, if we have visitors that come from another house, thank you. Maybe after understanding House of Panim vision, you are going to work with us also. But today I'm speaking to those who are prepared to work with Apostle Ruth. Like the people that were being prayed for, they chose to work with Apostle Ruth and come and did what they did. So, first thing I want us to, under, to, have, to know is having an understanding of the vision. Every vision that is being given to every pastor at every church. There are four points. One, going out there to look for the lost. According to Mark 16, verse 15. After looking for those who are lost, bringing them in here, the second thing is taking care of them. Pastors, members of the church, might forget what you are saying, like what I'm saying, but they'll never forget how I care for you. Acts 20, verse 28. Um, the apostles were talking about that. They were being told by the Holy Spirit that when you have gone to look for people now, you are there to take care of the flock. Then the third thing is to train the flock. We can't be doing like we have to do something after being trained. So how do we train? Ephesians 4 verse 12. Um, Apostle Paul was talking about um, in the church giving the apostles, the pastors, the prophets, evangelists, and the teachers of the word to equip the saints. So we have to be equipped to know even when the word is being preached, you are watching TV, the word is being preached. Even when the, there are different pastors that preach, you have to know that this person is speaking the word of God. When you are equipped with the word of God. Fourth thing is, let us all stand up and do something. The vision is broad. Remember, we are going out today. Apostle is not supposed to go out alone. We are taking care of people. Apostle is not supposed to take care of people alone. Training. In the fivefold ministries, there are teachers that will teach the people that when they come across the false way, they will know this is false. So these are the four points every vision must carry. 
But we all need to support the vision. Apostle Paul had co-workers, co-laborers, Timot, Titus, uh, Aquila, um, Priscilla. They all those were the people that were supporting the vision that Apostle Paul had. Let us understand House of Panim vision. How do we understand it? I remember Pastor Mdu was talking about that we are Samuel Kamban. We are Samuel. How do we operate as Samuel? If we go to First Samuel 1, um, verse 1, it says, Now there was a certain man of Ramathem Zophin of the mountains of Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jeropham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zaph, and Ephraimites. So as house of Panim, we are Ephraimites because we come under the grace of Samuel. Who is an Ephraimite? Ephraim means fruitful, according to Genesis 41, verse 52, when Joseph Ephraim is one of Joseph's sons. Remember, he was the one that got the blessings of, of the firstborn than Manasseh. So Ephraim, it means fruitful. The symbol of an Ephraimite is an ox. An ox which is one of the four faces of God. So Ephraim has grace to till the ground that it becomes fruitful and bear fruit. Ephraim can survive in an alien environment. Remember, 1 Samuel 3 verse 1, it says, the word of God was rare in that time. There is the truth of God that is rare in, even in this time that we need to, to unlock to people that we meet. Some people, for some people, taking bribes is just normal. But for an Ephraimite, a member of us of Panim, it's out of line. We don't compromise the character of God. We reveal it. Who is God? There are things that have been diluted from whatever the time. And until now, even abortion is normal. But that's diluting the word of God. So you as a Samuel, you as an Ephraimite, you don't do those things. You are there to reveal the nature and the character of God. When you are at work, just look at yourself and say, what would Jesus Christ do in this situation? What would God do in this situation? That's the side you take. You don't compromise. Ephraim will thrive and be fruitful in a land of affliction. He has power to transform difficulties into divine power. And if we Put together, that's FBP. When people come for FBP, some they will tell you that we will be going during holiday to worship our ancestors. They are still walking one foot in the world, one foot in Jesus Christ. They are still doing those things because maybe the family wants that. So, when they come, we tell them that you stand with God alone. Whatever you need is there in the Bible. So being an Ephraimite is not easy because at the end of the day, people will say, ah, bribe, I will take my friend because everyone is doing it. Even in churches, the pastors, they are doing bribes. So being an Ephraimite, we measure in foundations. That's the vision that Apostle Ruth was given. How many are ready to walk in that vision? How many? Amen. For those who didn't raise their hands, God will teach you. How do we function through the four faces of God? Because um, we reveal we are the face of God. We reveal the nature and the character of God. So it means we operate through the faces of God. Like today, did you see the face of compassion 
was in the house. People were in tears. That's the other face of God. Face of man. So, one way or the other, we have that, that in us, and we call it travailing intercession. You travail. The Holy Spirit groans through you because you are carrying the face of God, the face of man, the face of compassion, the face of prayer. Let me start with the face of a lion. Face of a lion, it brings authority. So, um, the people who wrote the gospel, the four gospels, they were focusing on Jesus in different angles, but focusing on the same person. Matthew focused on Jesus as the Lion of Judah, the King of Kings. That's authority. Matthew 16, verse 19. Jesus is King of Kings. Matthew 16, verse 19. 16. Amen. That's authority that we were given. The keys to unlock. The keys to lock. Through the gospel of Matthew. If you read the book of Matthew, you get the authority of how to walk in authority. Then we come to uh, the second book of the second gospel, Mark. Mark explained Jesus as um, a servant. That's the ox. So he explained Jesus more as a servant, not the one who came to be saved, but the one who came to serve. Mark 10, verse 45. Mark 10, verse 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be saved, but to save and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's Mark. He explained Jesus as a servant. He was focusing on Jesus, the servant. Then we come to the third gospel, is Luke. Luke explained Jesus as a man of prayer, Jesus of compassion. The first of men is more explained in Luke. If you look, go through the book of Luke, you can see prayer was explained in another dimension than other three Gospels because Luke was focusing on Jesus as a man, Jesus with prayer, with compassion. Luke 7, verse 18. Luke 7, verse 18. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, don't cry. This is Jesus seeing the widow who, whose son had died. He was filled with compassion and say, went to him to hear and say, "Don't cry." That's how Luke was focusing on, 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 on Jesus. Then the last gospel is the Gospel of John. John was speaking, uh, took Jesus as a, a man of revelation, an ego which is here, an ego, meaning the word of God when it is not yet revealed. Because when you read it, just saying, at first, in the beginning, there was um, God created the heavens and earth. You need revelation. What, is it, does, what does it mean? Otherwise, without revelation, you can read the word and run with the wrong things, wrong explanation. So the, the revelation of who Jesus is was explained in the book of John. First John, um, John 1, verse 1 to 3. John chapter 1, verse 1 to 3. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been 
So John was explaining that Jesus Christ has always been there, but he was hidden in the words. From Genesis, Jesus Christ was there. That's why you see, you hear God saying, let us. It's the Trinity. He has been there, but John revealed now that Jesus Christ has been the word that became flesh. So with these four Gospels, we are able now to walk in our destiny, to walk in our vision, to, to, to be able to unlock the vision through servanthood, through authority, through compassion, through revelation. Revelation, that's insight. Have you ever listened to a word that is being explained by different pastors differently? The word is revealed to you maybe with the situation that you have. The word can be revealed and, and you can see the clear picture of what is happening in your life. Let me tell you one thing that I believe that um, David... Because what happened in the what was happening in the Old Testament is the shadow picture of what was explained in the New Testament. If you look at David, they say, um, let, read me First Samuel seventeen verse forty. First Samuel chapter seventeen, verse forty. Then he took his staff in his hand chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the posh of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. They said he picked up five stones, but did he use five stones? He didn't use five stones. Prophetically, the, the first thing that he did, because David was a man of prayer, he had the word inside him. So five is the number of grace. The first of, of all, he looked for grace. Smooth stone, it speaks of uprightness. Prophetically, when, you, when there is something that is being said, smooth, or smooth word, it's uprightness or righteousness. Uh, the other version says he picked from the brook. The brook is a word that speaks of, prophetically it speaks of wisdom. So he picked up with wisdom. So David picked up five stones. Let me tell you how I understand the five stones. He picked up the book of Matthew 1. He picked up the book of, of, of Mark. He picked up the book of um, Luke and the book of John. Now he has authority. He has compassion. He has servanthood. He has revelation. What did he need? The acts of the apostles. James said, your faith without works is dead. So he picked the fifth stone, which I believe is the acts of the apostles. And it's the stone that he used. You have to kill the enemy with your acts. Where your faith that is in your actions... What are we doing in our field of faith? David was chosen to be a king before he killed Goliath because the word was saying Goliath has to be killed by the king of Israel. Saul was a, from the tribe of the Benjaminites. They, have the, they had the, the grace to throw stones, whether with left hand or right hand, meaning he was the right person to have done that. But he didn't do that. The person who was supposed to do that was the king of Israel, meaning God had already rejected Saul. And the king of Israel, because when he, he, David was in his field of faith, he was a servant, he was a man of compassion. All the, most of the Psalms David wrote when he, wrote when he was uh, looking after his father's sheep. He was a man of authority. He was... And then he put together the acts, these four things, and he brought the action and killed Goliath. What are we doing in our field of faith? Everyone has to have a field of faith. If you look at the people that were chosen by God to be used to run a vision, they were doing something 
what are we doing in our lives so that God will say, okay, I'm choosing you to run with Apostle Ruth with this vision. So be equipped with the word of God. Be equipped with the word of God. Can you go to verse 51 of um, verse 51 of Prophet Samuel 17? Verse 51. <clears throat> David ran and took over him. He took hold of the Philistine sword and drew it from the scabbard. After he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. When the Philistines <clears throat> when the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they turned and ran. The word of God, Proverbs 28 verse 1, it says, The wicked run away even when no one is pursuing them, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. David was as bold as a lion to step on Goliath and cut his head. So when you are equipped with the word of God, you are as bold as a lion. The lion, one of the four faces of God. So the next point is, now you know who you are. What is within you? Automatically, when you are walking, you have said you have prayed a prayer, say you want to walk with Apostle Ruth with this vision of revealing the nature and the character of God. Then you read your Bible every day. God will equip you. Wherever position that the people that were serving yesterday, it's because they know that I have to serve God. Not I have to serve like in this life, but not as if serving humans, but serving God. That's the word of God that is helping them. So after you have, um, you understand the vision, what is the next thing? Be a team player. Be a team player. There are a lot of things that are needed. Pray for the church, all events of the program. You might not be coming for the Masakani, but in your prayers, you are praying for Masakani. Be a team player. Don't say, don't look down upon yourself and say you don't have anything. You don't have anything to offer. All of us, we are important in the eyes of God. We have something to offer. Prayer is one of the most important things. Giving. The vision needs funds. A person needs to pour petrol to go wherever she needs to go. It comes through our giving. So when you are a team player, you will know. When, when people know God, giving must, giving must not be even preached about it. Because if you love God, you just give automatically. Because you love God, you know that the vision is for God. She was given by God. And it has to go forward. But we are living, we are still living in the flesh, and we need the finances to move the vision forward. Pray for the visionary. Pray for Apostle Ruth. She must be on top of your list. Because the moment she starts um, attacked, the whole church is attacked. Because there is no one who is standing with her in prayer. Every day, if you haven't been doing it, when you go home, pray for her. Because you are believing in what God has sent her to do in this world. Mordecai said to Esther, if you don't want to do this, God will raise other people. But you must know that you are called in a time like this. We are all called in a time like this. What are we doing? Let me tell you, when we die, we are not going to be asked which church did you used to go? We are asking, what were you doing down there? Full stop. What were you doing? And God will be asking you, but he knows what you were doing. Sometimes he would want you to speak. So coming to church is now to say, let us come together. Me, I can do this. What, where can I join? Pastor Mdu was saying, those who want to join any department, please come. I believe we all went to him and said, I want to serve in this department. Because serving, you don't serve Apostle Ruth, you serve uh, God through her. As much as she is pointing all of us to Christ. 
Amen? So discover your gift and use it to forward the vision. Even if you don't know your gift, do something about it. Just do something. Just do something. Even start picking papers. You are doing something. Because in your heart you are saying, I'm doing it for the Lord. Just do something. Um, okay, then we come to the point when the vision is being challenged. Obviously, the vision, uh, the enemy would not want us to move the vision ahead. So when the vision is being challenged, because we are men of revelation, we are men of prayer, we are men of, we are servants, we are men of authority, we can see that, mm, I think now the vision, our vision is being challenged. Let us go to Second Chronicles 20. Verse 17. This is the time when Jehoshaphat was the king of Israel and they were about to be attacked by the Moabites uh, and the Ammonites in another nation. But uh, what we want to hear, Jehoshaphat, the first thing he did was to inquire from God. So when the vision is being challenged, is being attacked, the first thing the visionary must do is surrender the battle to the Lord. First, Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 17, read as follows. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions. Stand firm. And see the deliverance of the Lord will give you. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. I like the point of saying, stand in your positions. When the vision is being challenged, everyone stands in their positions. Intercessors, they rise up. Worshippers, they rise up. If you look in Joshua, the Joshua 6, the walls of Jericho were destroyed, not by a hammer or an axe or whatsoever, by just worshipping the Lord. When we just come, we worship the Lord. And worshippers, sister blessing, they are just there to guide us. Everyone, you are a worshipper. So we don't look at them and say, yeah, worshippers are worshipless. And what are you doing? In time of worship, that's where we come face to face with God. That's where we come into his presence. So when we are well positioned, the vision is being challenged, yes. But God is saying, be positioned. It means stand where you are supposed to stand. So that the enemy will say, "Ah, uh -uh, these people are united. I can't pass through. But when we start to be scattered, everyone doing whatever they want to do, the vision will remain challenged. And what is the mission? Is for us to reveal the nature and the character of God. At the end of the day, we are now revealing ourselves to the nations. We are revealing ourselves to, 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 to the community. So be well positioned because you know your position. Where do you stand? This is what God spoke to Jehoshaphat. The other point is, work as a team. When the vision is being challenged, we must work as a team. Let's go to Exodus 17. Verse 8 to 16. Exodus chapter 17, from verse 8 to 16. It reads as follows. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at the Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, choose some, choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. 
As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcome, overcame the Amalekites' army with the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this on a scroll as something to be remembered and make sure that Joshua hears it because I will completely blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. So Moses built an altar and called it to the Lord is my banner. He said, 16, he said, for hands were lifted up to the throne of the Lord. The Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. Amen. Amen. Amalekites are enemies that will attack you just after you receive Christ. They come. They are enemies of transition. They know. They can look at you and say, if we leave this person, he or she is going to be someone big. So they would want to stop you so that you won't reach your destination. You were praying for a job. You got it. The Amalekites will come and now they give you a very tough boss so that you will say, no, I don't want this job or you say something else. Amalekites, they don't want you to reach your destination. We all face them. You get into a marriage. Maybe... A child cannot come. The Amalekites have come. They don't want you to get what you were expecting in that marriage. So Amalekites, if you look at the, at the Old Testament, you could see that there are so many enemies. Amalekites, Amalek was um, um, Esau's grandson. That was the nation that came, and they were living in, a, in, 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 in the desert. Just imagine. You are passing through. They, the Israelites are passing through in a desert. There's nothing much in a desert. But the Amalekites are fighting them. What are they fighting? The destination. To make sure they don't reach. If you look, the Israelites were being fought. Philistines are not the enemy that will fight even um, your belief in Christ or the way you, 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 you stand with God. The Philistine will come and want to destroy you. Then there are Midianites. Midianites are now you have, you got the job. You are earning a good salary, but you don't know where the money is going. The Midianites are eating. They come to eat the work of your hands. That's why Psalms 90 verse 17 says, God bless the work of our hands. When these hands are not blessed, sometimes you won't see. You will see you are earning 10000 and there's someone who is earning 5000 but might be doing better than you. You don't know where the money is going. The Midianites have arrived. But today we are, we are talking about Amalekites. The, as the church, we can face the Amalekites. They will see that, you know, where House of Panim is going is dangerous. Because as the, as the children of God, we are building the kingdom of God. But the enemy is also building his kingdom here on earth. But he doesn't have people. We are still the same people that can be used. The same body that can be used. So the choice is yours. So he would want to use you to make sure that House of Panim will not reach. Maybe we have a number that we are supposed to have helped. Because as House of Panim, we are supposed to help people locally, nationally, internationally. So maybe we haven't touched, we have touched two people internationally, but God is saying by August, you should have touched the 10. The Amalekites will come and want to make sure you don't go. When there's confusion now, ah, yeah, no, I don't care, ah, whatever is happening. The Amalekite has come, and you are not going to achieve. 
and you are here to achieve the goal with Apostle Ruth. There are people, there's a saying that says, a rolling stone gathers no moss. There are people when things get tough here, they go somewhere. When things get tough there, they go somewhere. The day they die, they don't even know which church or where were they, where, where were they? Because they are always going from point A to point B, point C, point D. Let me tell you, there is no perfect church. What might be wrong here in House of Panim can be right at the next church, but there's something else that is wrong. They said there is no pool without a frog. Every river, every pool, there's a frog. So you, you become an atmosphere changer. I am seeing this. You come to Apostle Ruth. I was thinking, if we do things this way, if we do this, you, come, you go to Pastor Mdu. Pastor Mdu, I was, I had this. Let's pray about this. We are a house of prayer. That's why there is so much crying in this church. There is so much groaning. So let's bring some of these things into prayer. Remember, Matthew 16, 19 is saying we are given the keys of the of kingdom. We unlock and lock. We come together and say, you Amalekite, we are locking you outside in the name of Jesus. You come together and say, we are going to pray, you Amalekites, we are just passing. We don't even need what you have because we have Canaan where God has prepared us for. Be an atmosphere change. Don't look at problems more than you are looking at the strength. I was raised by a father who was an evangelist. He used to say, my daughter, in every person, look at the strengths alone. Look at the strengths alone and pray for the weaknesses. That's what he used to, even if he, I could go and say, ha, ah, things are like this at work. And look at the strength. Because there's no one who is like bad throughout. There has an element that this person, God, is talking to them. I want to go more on this um, Exodus 17. Because I want us to, um, Pastor Moshe, may you go to just read verse 8 only. Follows. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. This is a place, it's a desert. There's nothing just before this. They had been, that's when Moses uh, gave them water from the rock, meaning um, there wasn't, there, there was scarcity of water. But these Amalekites, they are attacking them. I have spoken. This is an enemy of transition. Verse 9. Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. Moses was the visionary. Obviously he was the one that is giving instructions. There is no way where we are told Moses, uh, God said, Moses went and said, how can we, f we fight? Uh, what are we supposed to do? But Moses said, Joshua, pick up some men to fight with. I am going up the hill. Where is the hill? Who is at the hill? Psalms 24 says, who can ascend the hill of the Lord? Only those with clean hands and a pure heart. So Moses is going up to worship the Lord. And the
When you pray for something, January to December, you don't receive any attack about what you are praying for. Be careful. Because your prayer should shake the enemy. Because the heavens will now look and say, oh, there are people praying there. So Joshua took the people to the battleground. But Moses, Aaron, and who went where? Up into the mountain. That was God's strategy. So, <clears throat> remember Moses. He grew up in Pharaoh's house and he knew the moment he started realizing that he, is a, he, he, he has been sent, he's a deliverer. He killed an Egyptian. But he was labeled um, a, 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 a murderer. But when he went to Midian and come, and come back and took the Israelites out of um, Egypt, he was now a deliverer. So whatever you need to do, the position you are taking, be empowered by God. Moses was a murderer before the spirit of God was upon him. When the spirit became upon him and now he is the sent one, he is being ushered, he became the deliverer. So know, so know who you are. Because the moment, and you, you, you will also always ask God to empower you and tell you what to do. Because the moment you are doing your own things, did you hear Joshua saying, ah, no, why can't you, you, Moses, go? Me, I will go up the mountain. Joshua was well positioned. Aaron and Ruth, they were also well positioned. So positioning is very important when we are working with the visionary. Know your position and how to act and what to say. Verse 10. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. Every visionary has got right-hand men, the people that will lift up. Because everyone, we are still a human, a spirit in a human body. This body, do you know this body knows that it's not going to heaven? That's why when you want to wake up coming to church, if you listen to the body, you won't come. Because the body will say, ah, please don't bother us. We, we were told we are not going anywhere. We are going to rot. So you listen to the spirit of God. Because that's the spirit is one that connects you. So every visionary can come to the point of being tired. Everyone gets tired. But who is there now to lift up the hands of the visionary? Remember, she, he or she is not walking alone. You are there to walk. You know your position. Verse 11. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. So you see, the battle, the actual battle is in the spirit. It's not in the physical. That's why the word of God says, the just shall live by faith. And faith comes because of the hearing of the words. So if you don't read your Bible, your faith is not strengthened. You don't live by sight. The... The Israelites, when David wanted to fight Goliath, they were seeing this giant. But David was seeing nothing. Because a Christian, you are not supposed to live by sight. You live by faith. And you, faith comes through hearing the word of God. So the word of God will strengthen you. When God said, I will be with you, no matter what, God didn't say, um, sometimes I'll be with you. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes, no, 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 no. We are the ones that change position. If this is God, I have been going here and there, but he's still standing here. God will stand at his place. Whatever he promised, he is the, um, he is the servant. What can I say? Of his word. He brought over his word to manifest it. 
This is what Moses knew, that even though these people, they, they can be very many, but God said, Moses, take my children to Canaan. So whatever, God didn't even explain what they are going to see in between. What do we read in between from Egypt to Canaan is the mindset of people. Even saying they are giants, whatever, is the mindset of people. But God, what he has spoken, if God spoke to you and said, I want you to save me at House of Panim, you still go back to him and say, I am not, things are not right with me. Where you say that I must save you. You ask him, what must I do? You just don't run uh, around. So God will never say, ah, I was joking. That word that I spoke, I was joking. The battle is in the spirit because we are spirit. So sometimes, do you know, whatever we face today might have been manifested in the spirit, but because sometimes you are not always in the presence of God, you might not know it. There are things... Ask the apostle that God will give me in a dream. And we start canceling them through prayer before they actually happen. So when they happen, now it, it, there is the hand of God. God will show you to say, to say the enemy is there somewhere by the corner. Because you are always in his presence. He will reveal to you. He's a God of revelation. He will tell you what is going to come. And then you, because there are things that you cannot even cancel with prayer. God is just telling you that this is what I'm planning. And then you be prepared when that issue comes. Because sometimes God builds us in a certain way and we will think, ah, it's too much. But James said, consider pure joy when you face trials and tribulations. James said, because... When you are facing trials and tribulations, it means you are, going the, you are not going the same direction with the enemy. But if you are working with the enemy, you will not see anything. You will not face anything. But when you are going there and the enemy is saying, do not go there, you will meet him. And the battle will come. But you are learned enough. You say the battle belongs to, to the Lord. Verse 11. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. This is discernment. There's no way it is written that God said to Aaron and Hur, can't you see Moses is tired? They descend. They also descend that when Moses is lifting up his hands, we are winning down there. When he is down, we are being uh, defeated. Every visionary needs leaders who stand with him that he have discernment. They must see, no, this is not it. Something is wrong here. And the Aaron and Hul, Moses didn't even tell them, please may you hold my hands. They discerned what to do. They knew what to do because the spirit of God was in them. So at the end of the day, there won't be any fighting here because the leaders, Aaron and Hul, knows what to do. And Moses, as the visionary, is accepting help. Because he is knowing that I am tired. The words that Moses said, I am going, I will stand up the hill. Also, that is the speaking of the law. Look what they did. They, they, they fetched a stone and made Moses sit down. The, the Bible said they took a stone. They didn't go about looking for the stone. The stone was already there. Who is the stone in our lives? 
Jesus Christ. When we face anything, the stone is there for you to sit in Christ. So Moses must have said, I am going, let's go up there and see what God has planned for us. Because of the law, you are still operating under law. He thought he would stand until the battle is, is won. But God showed him otherwise and said, you can't do anything without the stone, which is Jesus Christ. The moment he was sitting on the stone, there is one thing that I'm so interested in. This is Moses sitting. Aaron is this side. Who is this side? They didn't attempt to lift their, the staff of Moses with their hands because the anointing is not theirs. The anointing has been given to the visionary. There's something that you can't do. You don't have the anointing. When God has put someone there, he gives with the anointing. But it's not for the visionary now to boast about. He, will, he or she will boast in the Lord. Aaron and Hul, they had to lift Moses' hand that is holding the staff. What are they lifting? Is Moses' hand. Why didn't they say, ah, start, uh, start Aaron. I will lift this stuff. Then uh, when I'm tired, well, you can do it. Let us see the strategies of God, the principles of God. There's something that I said, as a Christian, you learn from the past. Let me tell you the anointing, how it works. There is one plug that is bringing electricity in here. We plug, maybe we plug this thing, we plug the lights, we plug whatever, we plug even a kettle, we bring it, we plug, we plug that one. The source is the same, but what is being distributed and the end thing, what it is doing, the fridge, when the, it is plugged to the electricity, it becomes cold. Are you a fridge? When you are plugged in God, you become cold. A kettle, when it is plugged to the electricity, it becomes, it boils water. That's the difference of anointing. It doesn't mean when the visionary has their anointing, you also have. When you received Christ, when the Holy Spirit came upon you, it came with the package of your own anointing. But that, that anointing has to plug into the visionary's anointing. Not having your own and But so the main cable that is bringing power here is God himself. But when the power comes, it comes to the worshiper. Their anointing, it comes to the ashes. Their anointing, it comes to the intercessors, to the media team. That's how God operates. But he is the source of everything. So Moses and Hul never attempted to say, we are also lifting our hands. We are ours because you, you are tired. They lifted the hand that was tired. Discernment will tell you what to do because you are plugged in God. You will know what to do. God will tell you what to do. So it also shows us that um, we must help the visionary when they are tired. And the visionaries must also accept help, acknowledge their flaws, because no one is perfect. We are still, all of us, we are trying. We are toiling, like what Apostle Paul says, I have not yet achieved. I'm still running towards the goal. And the goal is in Christ. So this, um, the last verse, um, verse 18 shows us that the strategy comes from God. The last verse, um, just read from 14 to 16. Verse 14. Then the Lord said to Moses, 
write this on a scroll as something to be remembered and make sure that Joshua hears it because I will completely blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. So Moses built an altar and called it, The Lord is my banner. 16. He said, For hands were lifted up to the throne of the Lord. The Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. God always wants things written down. That's why in, in Psalm 139, I said everything about you is written in a book for reference sake. Remember, Moses said to, Mo, um, to Aaron, to Joshua, I'm going up, I will stand. But he didn't finish the battle standing. So God came back to Moses and said, write down what happened up there. So that Moses won't boast that if it was not me who kept on standing, you were not going to win. God wanted Moses also to, Joshua to know and acknowledge what Aaron and who had done. Because the battle belongs to the Lord, but we fight as a team. It's not going to be written that, ah, it was Moses who stood up there with his stuff up. So God is a fair God. He wants everything to be plain, everything to be remembered. And if you look in verse Samuel 15, verse 2, the Amalekites are the ones that made Saul to come uh, from the presence of God because he was told, go and kill them with their cows and whatever, but he reserved the flock that was fed and King Agag of, Amal of Amalekites, he didn't kill, he made a deal, whatever he did with, and then that brought him out of the presence of God. So God is a God of instructions. God is a God of directions. We just don't wake up and say, ah, how many times have we woken up and say, I'm going to do this, and you don't do it. Because God has not planned you for that. So we need to, to tap into the plans of God, and we need to work as a team. You don't just come with your own directions about how the vision is going. Your anointing that God has given you should tap into the anointing of the visionary. As we walk as... Um, as Christians, uh, my last scripture is Hebrews 12, verse 1 to 2. Jesus Christ modeled for us how to, how to persevere and to accomplish a vision. Remember, Jesus Christ came with one just to redeem us from the enemy. But he faced so many challenges, but he never gave up. Because he knew the vision. Because if he was going to, to give up, I don't know where we would be here, like now. And you know, God takes the natural and puts his superpowers and it becomes supernatural. Sometimes we get used to what God does. And at the, at the end of the day, we, we get disappointed at the cross. Why am I saying this? Go, let us always get a revelation from God. As house of Panim, we are eagles. Let us hear what God is saying today as we walk. At the cross, Jesus Christ was crucified with two thieves. One of the thieves said, um, got the revelation and said, this person is the son of God. And he spoke up and he said, remember me. He got the revelation. But he, he was a thief. He was stealing TVs, whatever. He never went to church and paid any tithe. But he went to paradise. I'm not saying go and steal. You go to paradise. Get revelation. The, in Old Testament, it was the church pattern. When the Holy Spirit came on the um, Pentecost day, he, he brought revelation. 
What is God saying today? Because the past we can only learn, but the revelation comes from God. Hebrews 12, verse 1 to 2. The book of Hebrews, chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the rest marked out for us. Verse 2. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Amen. We focus our eyes on Jesus. How did he persevere with the vision of bringing us back to God? Christianity is a relationship. We, when you dream of a table, it speaks of fellowship. The reason is when we are seated on the chairs, everything is level. There's nothing happening under the table. That's why the veil was torn. Because whatever was happening behind the veil, God was saying, it's done. Now everything is on the table. We are the same, but God gives us order because he is a God of order. No one is going to seek God for you. The visionaries, the pastors are there to point us to God. We serve the house. We, we run with the vision, but the main aim is we are serving God, not serving men. The moment when you are supposed to come and clean and you blame apostle, you have lost it because she just identified this place as the place of worship. But whatever we do here to make sure this place is clean, it's because we love God. Whatever to make we have speakers, we have everything, is because we love God. We support the visionary, looking at what Jesus... Jesus, sometimes you could see that he was walking, maybe on foot, going to different places. What was in his mind to make sure the vision he was sent for has been accomplished? So the day he went up and the Holy Spirit, there is a promise that he promised. The Holy Spirit eventually came. Because that's what he has been promising, that I will go and he will come. Now he is with us. Sometimes we don't listen to the Holy Spirit. He will tell you, no, you are doing wrong. But you say, ah, you will hear the enemy's voice more than the Holy Spirit because he is a gentle. A church vision encourages unity, creates energy, provides purpose, Prom enhances leadership, promotes excellence, sustains the ministry, and it creates confidence in the pastor and the congregation. You, when you are ready to serve God, you will just say to yourself, where can I stand? I was 15 years when I started. Um, my, my father could say, when you are, you are in high school, you say, look for a way you can serve. I don't want any person who just go to church just to hear the voice, but I want someone who serves. So when I said I want to be a Sunday school teacher, everyone was not surprised because as young as I was, my sisters who are before me, I raised their children. I could, at six years, I could change diapers. I could do this. Because there is something in me that was just a pushing. So it's very difficult for you to take me out of Sunday school. I don't know how I can fight you. <laughs> it's in me. It's, that's what explains Mama Ellen. So there is something in you that God gave you that explains you. Start working towards that. Even the vision, 
You will see out there, there is another church that has the same, almost the same vision like ours. Because in Ecclesiastes 1 verse 9, Solomon said, there's nothing new in this world. What, we are pre what I'm preaching has been preached before. What I'm saying today has been said before. But maybe God is saying, just remind them. So there's nothing new. So do, do not look at yourself and say, where can I stand? Ah, it's full, it's full, it's full. Let us have even three worship team, uh, teams. Because everyone wants to sing, right? Let us have three. So that even since blessing one day and, and mama prays, we'll also rest while um, Mrs. Yado is singing with the others. <laughs> Let us just stand up and do something. That's my main message today. Let us get busy. Let us do something and support the vision because we are supposed to bring out the character of God locally, nationally, internationally. If in Bulgaria they have not yet known us, we are not doing anything. God bless you. listening, subscribe to our channel, stay blessed.